don't care how poorly they're coached. I don't care how ridiculous they are. I don't care that they blew a 21, excuse me, point lead last night. I'll wear my Indiana shirt with pride and say to you, welcome on a monster. I mean, this is a monster Friday as we get into a ton of things that transpired since our show aired, including the great news that DeMar Hamlin not only squeezed hands, but wrote out, hey, look, did we win? Which is freaking, I mean, awesome. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have some video on that. We will absolutely get to that. We're going to get to the NFL's response. But first, let me ask you a question. Is Jim Harbaugh running from the law? Is Jim Harbaugh trying to Pete Carroll it? Is he trying to get out ahead of NCAA probation or whatever they call it now? Because here's the deal. Nobody knows what they call it now. It's not necessarily probation for a coach. It's suspension. Let's go yesterday. Harbaugh put this tweet out um, about coming back to Michigan. And here, and not a tweet, a statement. It was more of a statement. Let's hear or let's see from Jim Harbaugh. Now, I'm aware of the rumors and speculation over the past few days. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> All right, here's the interesting point. No one knows what the future holds. I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 20. 20- 23. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call in the coaching profession crap. Complete and total crapola. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it came out that Michigan, the football program, Jim Harbaugh in particular, are facing NCAA letter of allegations. Now, what happens is you figure it out, then you send a letter to the school. The school then has X number of days, I believe it to be 90, to get back and answer the allegations. Level two allegations are okay. They're not great, but they don't get the coach suspended. They don't get the team in real trade. It's not great. It could be, you know, we take some scholarships, limit you some recruiting. That was involved in COVID recruiting. There were a number of teams that had issues with COVID recruiting. Coaches that weren't supposed to talk to prospects, talking to prospects, that kind of thing. But here's where Harbaugh has a problem. Harbaugh's problem is he tried to circumvent the investigation. What do they always say? If you know anything about crime, they always tell you the cover-up is worse than the crime. Think Watergate if you're old enough to think Watergate. The cover-up is worse than the crime. So what Harbaugh did, apparently or allegedly, by the NCAA, was say, hey, look, we're not really going to cooperate. We're going to make this as difficult as we can on you, the NCAA, to come into our program and prove that we did anything, any violations. That's what Harbaugh is being charged with, and frankly, That's as serious a crime as paying a player before you can pay players. It just it level one violation is described, and this is what Harbaugh is being charged with. I want you to think about this: a severe breach of conduct, a severe breach of conduct, seriously undermining the integrity of college sports. Now I don't know about you, and maybe nobody cares except me, but 
I don't want that pinned to me. In fact, I always want it the opposite, and I know I'm deemed a bad guy, but that's how I'm viewed in college sports, the exact opposite. I don't want that. Now, he can be, Harbaugh can be, according to his contract, fired without payment. That would be for cause. Look, you gave us the opportunity. You embarrassed us, so you gave us the opportunity to fire you with cause, and we don't have to pay you, and then it goes insane, and next thing you know, blah, 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 it goes to court, and the world goes nuts. I mean, that's where we're at with it. That's where this is. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is going to get very, very, very interesting. People are asking me, is my mic on? The answer, of course, is no, because I, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, my mic is on, am a moron. My mic fell down. All right, next. Hey, make sure that we have the tweet out. We got to have all that out. Next, and I talked about the good news of DeMar Hamlin. Well, we're going to get into that, and we have some audio for you from press conferences. But one thing about it before we get to it, the Buffalo Bills are talking about putting the EMTs, the doctors, in their ring of honor. I'm in on that, man. That gave me goosebumps when I read it. When I read that that's what they were going to do, I thought to myself, damn good, man. Yeah, let's do that. Let's put these guys, assistant trade, whoever was involved, let's do that. Period. Let's not even mess around. Let's do that. All right. Here's the other deal. The NC, or excuse me, the NFL came out yesterday and said these games, the game is not, ladies and gentlemen, is not going to be played. It's not going to be played. What do you mean it's not going to be played? It's not going to be played. Well, how are we going to rectify this? What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do a number of things, including we may have here in Indianapolis or Vegas a neutral site game for a championship. Now, how about that? How about we go with a neutral site game for an AFC championship if the Cincinnati Bengals play the Kansas City Chiefs? It's a little bit involved, but I got to tell you, I ain't mad at it because you just adjust. Like people are so set in their ways. Like people are telling, well, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. I'm sitting there looking, I'm going, well, why can't you? Well, what what, what do you you mean? Why, Why can't you? So the Bengals are the AFC South champs. The NFL never considered per Schefter an eighth playoff team. Neutral sites for a possible AFC championship game haven't been determined, but I guarantee you Indy and Vegas uh, are the two. Here's the deal. If the Chiefs lose Saturday and the Bills win Sunday, the Bills are the number one seed, so there would be no neutral site. Buffalo would get the bye. All right. If Baltimore defeats Cincinnati, and if those two clubs are scheduled to play a wild card game against each other, that would be, and I love this, a coin flip to see where we're playing it. That I dig. See, that, I like stuff like that. Like, I'm the guy that doesn't want robot umpires. I want stuff that we did on the playground. Hey, uh, whose ball is it? You ever get thrown a bat and you do that with a bat? That's how you determine who gets first and last bats. That's it. 
Then there's a ton of other scenarios. I won't bore you with it, but I'll give you one. If, if, all right, if Baltimore defeats Cincinnati week 18, it will have defeated Cincinnati, a divisional opponent, twice, but will not be able to host a playoff game because Cincinnati will have the higher winning percentage for a 16-game schedule than Baltimore for a 17-game schedule. If Baltimore defeats Cincinnati and those two clubs are scheduled to play a wild-card game against one another, the site of the game would be determined by a cone toss. If Cincinnati wins a Week 18 game or if Baltimore and Cincinnati are not scheduled to play, the site would be determined by the regular procedure. So there is a lot going on here, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm the wrong guy. I fall asleep when I see things like this. I do. When I hear if I fall a freaking sleep. But I do know this. I want to see a coin toss to determine something in the NFL because let's be honest, the NFL is a megla, megla, megla billion dollar business. But did you know this? Did you know that for all the money the NFL brings in, it's not as big as one drug, one drug from Eli Lilly? Like, name your favorite drug, Lexapro. It ain't as big. Seriously. Prozac ain't nearly as big. Somebody told me that, and I'm like, wow. But here's the NFL statement. You see it right here. NFL, week will not be resumed. Clubs to consider neutral site AFC game. Announced today, week 17, will not be resumed. Been canceled among the key factors in arriving at this decision. Not playing the Buffalo-Cincinnati game to its conclusion will have no effect on which clubs qualify for the postseason. No club would qualify for the postseason, and no club will be eliminated based on the outcome of that game. It would require post uh, postponing the start of the playoffs one week, affecting all 14 clubs that qualify, making this decision prior to week 18. See, there you go. That's it right there. That's the whole, that's it, nuts to bolts right there. That's what it is. So instead of affecting everybody, they used common sense. Now, here's what I would say to all of you. I would say this to all of you. Shut up. We complain about everything. Well, you know, this isn't fair. Well, shut up. And I would also say this is where Roger Goodell and his peeps made their money. You don't make your money when everything goes smoothly. You don't make your money when everything, boom, 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 boom. I don't know if you saw this, but the top 50 shows of 2022, 45 were NFL. Think about that for a second. Everything goes smoothly for the most part for the NFL. Yes, there are bumps in the road. Yes, there are players that act like idiots. And yes, there are things that have to be resolved. But this was a major one, and I got to tell you, they took their time on the field, made the absolute right decision. They took their time after the game, came out with a statement yesterday, absolutely the right way to go about it. And if you don't like it, God bless you. God bless you. Seriously, God bless you. You know, I'm going to something else. I'm on one today. My Indiana Hoosiers had a 21-point lead. Iowa did not have their second best player. Indiana got a kid hurt early, but he don't really factor in on anything. Indiana stinks. It makes me crazy. So I'm a bit on one today. They didn't know what to do against the zone. They had no idea how to handle 
when Fran McCaffrey went to his own. Fran McCaffrey, McCaffrey went to Fran Con 20, lost his mind, went across, started, uh, I guess, trying to intimidate a cheating little assistant at Indiana. Some guy that was involved in the, in the cheating and got out of it or whatever. So we don't respect him. And then Indiana missed free throws and did all the things that Indiana does. But Indiana is a poorly coached team by a guy that I really like and respected as a player, Mike Woodson, but they stinks. Purdue, on the other hand, just makes a big shot from uh, Fletcher Lawyer. Next thing you know, they win a big game at Ohio State. It drives me nuts that Indiana, and for 15 years I've had to hear Indiana people's crap. 15 years I've had these little D-bag blogger boys and little writer boys across Indiana call me names. Indiana, I'm going to give you the greatest quote I've heard. The greatest quote I heard was from Connor McCaffrey, in, uh, Iowa player, son of Fran, the coach, after the game. Indiana didn't know what to do. It's like they'd never seen a zone before. Now, Indiana fans, I hate to tell you this, but we should be used to that. We should absolutely be used to that. But the truth of the matter is, it looked like they hadn't seen his own. Yes, they scored a ton of points. They guarded nobody. Their freshman kid, uh, Shafino Hood, or whatever he's supposed to be, he disappeared. The Galloway kid kept falling down, and I'm losing my mind because I said, and I believe this, Indiana has two of everything, and now they are poorly coached. And they got a coach that doesn't coach. And they got a staff that sits around, watches CNN, and doesn't know its backside from third base. And it's incredibly disappointing because most people come from the NBA and they run great sets. They're well coached. This team stinks and the coaching is awful. It's the exact opposite of what the hell is happening at Purdue where they just keep getting better, better, and better. However, I'm staying with college sports. Do you know who Gary Hahn is? Gary Hahn's a longtime announcer at North Carolina State. Gary Hahn, to me, uh, is one of the great announcers in the country. We're going to talk about Gary Hahn. Why? Because they decided, Learfield Sports, that we've got to suspend Gary Hahn. Hey, Dylan, can you play what Gary Hahn said? I think we have it. I hope we have it. But we're going to get perspective on this. All right, my bad. We're going to get perspective from Grant Napier. You guys famously know. You guys famously know that the Sacramento Kings, because our friend Grant Napier said all lives matter, he got fired because the Sacramento Kings are dumb enough to listen to two morons, Boogie Cousins and the biggest moron in the history of the world, the biggest liar, it's documented, Chris Webber. Here is what Gary Hahn said that led to his suspension, and I can't wait to talk to Grant Napier, who has dealt with this crap, uh, this PC crap. Here's Napier. It's the Sun Bowl. I mean, here's... And amongst all the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 and Pittsburgh 6. That's with 11.15 to go in the second quarter. Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. Well, NC State, uh, not a lot of depth in the secondary. So Gary Hahn, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter 
what you have in escrow. It doesn't matter all the good that you did. You know, the only thing that matters is somebody somewhere, somehow, I don't know who, tried to act offended. Well, Grant Napier has dealt with this. He lost his job over this. It's the dumbest move a team has ever made since the Cubs traded Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio. Grant Napier joins us now. You saw, you heard what happened with Gary Hahn. You've been through this, my friend. What was your reaction? You know, my reaction is that our world is turned upside down, and I, I don't want to call out anyone for what they say over a hot mic, but I said all lives matter, every single one. And no, no disrespect to Gary, but, you know, I thought his remark was somewhat inflammatory and completely uncalled for. Do I think he should lose his job over it? No, I don't. But are we really going to end a 32-year career and 27 years on the same local radio station in Sacramento over six words, all lives matter, every single one, when people know my track record? I mean, Dan, I don't have to explain this to you, but I will to our viewers. You can't survive in this business with the same team for 32 years unless you're doing something right. And I'm not trying to be egotistical. I'm not trying to be conceited. But the bottom line is I was their TV announcer for 32 years, from 1988 until 2020. I obviously was doing something right. I had a foundation. We sent over 100 at-need, underprivileged students to college, many of them minorities, all right? And we mentored them going into their sophomore year in high school. Nobody really seemed to care about that. Everybody just wanted to cancel me. Think about this. I made the comment on Sunday, May 31st in the evening, and by Tuesday afternoon, at three o'clock, my career as I knew it was over with the Kings and the radio station in Sacramento. Go figure. Yeah, that's what I said. There's no equity. You haven't built up anything when somebody wants to get mad. No. I'm going to agree with you that Gary Hahn did not need to say that. You're calling a game. It's the game. You don't need to say that. He said it. What let me let me walk through this because this is the fascinating part to me. Now look, this is a personal mm -hmm. thing. I think Chris Weber's a complete idiot. I think he's a complete yep. fraud. I think the whole Weber family yep. is going back to David. Jason's a nice kid. Anyway, having said that, so you listen to two idiots. You listen to Boogie Cousins in your situation and Chris Weber. What do you think happened? in the background, based on your experience, when Gary Hahn made that statement, what, what do you think happened? Did anybody really care, or did somebody just go CYA? That's a great question, and I don't want to sound like I'm an expert on Gary. I'm not familiar with Gary. I don't know his background, so I, I don't want to speak out of turn. But I'm going to answer your question this way. The great thing about what Chris Weber said on social media is that I have a lawsuit ongoing right now in federal court. And all of the truths are going to come out. As a matter of fact, I already know some things that have been said in depositions involving what Chris Weber said on social media. Chris basically said on social media right after I made my comment, hey, I told you so. I've been telling the Kings about this for years. I've been telling the Kings about Grant right. for years. Well, it, it's going to be proven, Dan, in a court of law. Now, Chris has already perjured himself once in front of a grand jury, so I guess he could perjure himself again. But I am not 99% sure. I'm 100% sure that in a court of law, Chris Weber is going to be once again proven to be a liar and that he said this to get after me. I just encourage anyone that wants to spend two minutes, just go to YouTube and Google Chris Weber yells at Grant Napier and watch the video. Okay, Chris 
And TNT made a mistake when they were in Sacramento on national game about eight or nine years ago in regards to the city council meeting. Chris got the story wrong. TNT got the story wrong. I asked them to come on my radio show the next day. My producer did. I told my producer, make sure Chris knows why he is coming on my show. So there was no mystery. There was no surprise. And Chris turned the entire situation and blamed me and ended up hanging up on me. That's typical Chris Weber. He doesn't have any accountability. He doesn't want to apologize. He never wants to admit when he's wrong. But to tell the world via social media that he told the Kings about me and has been telling them about me for years is 100% fabrication. And I am telling you 100% certain that it will be proven in the court of law that Chris once again lied this time regarding me. Let me go back to Han real quick. Um, yeah, he's been sure. there forever. Okay. In your case, the community stood up. It didn't help you get your job back, but the community knew who you are. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, who you were. Yeah. Um, in Han's case, your deal's a little different oh. because, you know, I, I think the way you said your thing, reasonable people would say, well, what the hell's wrong with what he said? Reasonable people would say, well, sure. it seems like an all-inclusive tweet, right? Hans, you you mentioned it is inflammatory. It could be construed as inflammatory. How will this affect him? What's your take on that? He's going to have a label on him for the rest of his life and the rest of his career. I mean, whenever anyone hears his name, they're going to say, oh, yeah, that's the guy that made that comment when he was doing a football game. That's another reason why I am filing suit in federal court. I want to be vindicated. I want my name cleared. I don't feel I did anything wrong. Most people acknowledge that I didn't do anything wrong. All lives matter. Every single one, every single one, Dan, means you, me. It means the people in your back room, the people in your neighborhood, the people across the town in Indianapolis, uh, the people from coast to coast around the world. All lives matter, every single one. So I can tell you with certainty, Gary now has a label on him for the rest of his career. Regardless of how you feel about what he said, he now has a label on him and his name will always be muddled for the rest of his life. And so will mine. And that's why I'm filing suit in federal court. I want to be vindicated. I want my name cleared. And I want to be heard by 12 jurors in a court of law. And whatever they decide, I'll walk away and go, hey, that's the way it is. Whether I prevail or I don't prevail, I'll move on. You know what I like? I always tell people this at Meet Me. I, I was talking to a Oh, a guy that I do ads for. I go, you know, Google me and you'll see that I'm a bad guy. So I'm going to let you decide whether I'm a bad guy or not. You know what I mean? I always tell people yeah. that just Google me and you'll see that I'm a rotten human being. You know? <laughs> hey, you know this. You know this probably better than I do. It's not possible to do your job and do your job well. OK, have great ratings, have great income, have great sponsors like you do. And, and appease everybody. If you're not pissing people off, you're really not doing your job well. If you're not opinionated, you're never going to make it in this business. And you know this. I know this. People that are in our business know this. It is impossible to do this job without upsetting people. It's impossible to get in front of a microphone, make comments, okay? And many times they are not inflammatory. They're not personal, but people take it personal. Look at Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan for crying out loud. Think about that. Best friends, a friendship that has been completely torn apart because Charles made comments on TNT about Michael Jordan that he did not like, right? So go figure, go figure. You cannot do your job and do it well without hurting someone's feelings. That's the business that we are in. And if you can't handle it, go choose another business.
That's exactly right. Um, is the fact that <clears throat> Learfield is bringing Gary Hahn back so quickly, I believe it's January uh, 14th, is that yep. an admission by Learfield? Like, yeah, it's kind of stupid. Yes, and I wish that had happened to me. Uh, my lawsuit is not against the Kings. It's against Bonneville International. They're based out of Salt Lake City, and I encourage anyone at the end of this show, just do me a favor. Spend 60 seconds. I want you to Google Bonneville International Leadership, and I want you to look at their leadership board, okay? Spend 30 seconds. And I want you, when you're scrolling through their leadership council, I want you to stop when you see somebody that does not look like myself or Dan, male or female, okay? I want you to stop. You won't stop because there is nobody, okay, other than Caucasian men and women on their board. They fired me. They used me as a scapegoat to say, oh, look, Black Lives Matter. Oh, we're on your side. We just fired Grant Napier, who said all lives matter, every single one. They used me as their scapegoat. Again, Google Bonneville International Leadership, and I want people to just spend 30 to 60 seconds, and I want you to look who's on their leadership council. And then you tell me about this hypocritical company for using me as a pawn, as a scapegoat, to make themselves look good to Black Lives Matter. I'll see you in court, Bonneville International. I can't wait. I'm following this, and I'm going to have you on. I, 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 in Han's case, yep. Um, he's. I, I don't. You know, it doesn't look like it's going to rise to the level of having to be in court. It doesn't. But, but, a lot of yep. people have said. Look, in fact, one of my colleagues, Jonathan uh, Hutton, and I were doing a show, and he said, "Look, had he said, well, you know, I'm down here." In Arkansas with a bunch of hillbillies, nobody would have cared. He said, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. But I do know that we, not we, companies, are. what they did to you was to side with something that when you put your finger in the wind, hey, this is the way the wind's blowing. Let's side with that. Right. Same right. thing here. I don't think anybody, if he said, hey. I'm here in Indianapolis with a bunch of white dudes that are bald-headed wearing red sh- shirts. I don't think anybody would have had a problem, right? I mean, we, we you know, know the Dan, deal here. He, here's the deal. And I, I'm still waiting to meet these people. There are so many perfect people in our country. All right? I see them every day on social media. They're perfect. And, and I've been trying to reach out to these people because I really want to take them to dinner. And I really want to find out and get into their personality of what makes them perfect. Because I'm 63. And I, I'm, I'm not perfect, but there are a lot of perfect people out there. And I still hopefully have 20 years or so in my life. I want to become perfect just like them. So I'm still searching for those perfect people that I see every day on social media. I know where they live. They live at the Indy Star here in Indianapolis. I know the two writers are absolutely <laughs> lying. <laughs> they lie That's like crazy. Uh, they, they lie till they puke, but then they're the perfect yeah. people. Uh, last <laughs> That's, thing. That's a classic. It's true. I know. I know him. I mean, shoot, I you know I tweet him all the time. Uh, I don't want to be perfect. I want to be a scoundrel. I've kind of embraced my role as a, yeah. as, like I said, Google me. Hey. I'm a horrible person. Just just do it. Hey, Let's I get just, it out of the way. I do. Wa- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. I just want to say, I'm happy that Gary's not losing his job over this. People should be allowed to make a mistake and not be crucified and continue on with their life. Cancel culture in this country is such a problem. It's so sad. And the fact that 
individuals are not allowed second chances. I mean, if you murder someone, we're not going to give you a second chance. But you understand where I'm going with this. It's sad. It's a sad indictment of what's going on in the United States right now. It really is. I mean, look, I understand Chris Chris Beard gets fired. He's facing felony domestic violence charges. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> okay, come on. But but damn, I mean, there, there's 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 got to be a limit on on. I would love to, and I'm not smart enough to do this. I would love to run a company because I think my company would be sued because I would hire people based on their experience, intelligence. Quite frankly, I would hire them on reliability. I would hire them based on merit. I don't care if you're black, white, I don't care what you are. Uh, I would do that. And if you made a mistake, we would sit down and talk about it and see if this is who you are or this is just a mistake. You know the interesting, uh, Grant, before I let you go now that I'm on a bit of a soapbox, the interesting thing is I I went on a religious walkabout. Uh, I told the priest, I was a Catholic kid, raised Catholic, all this stuff. But I got annoyed. So I went to confession. I told the priest, I go, hey, Father, I'm going on a religious walkabout. He goes, what's that mean? I go, I'm going to check out different faiths because I'm getting annoyed here. The priest that I was going to, he seemed like a, a, a play actor. not. Re- so I go. I find myself in a great big Christian church. Every single Sunday, the, the pastor or whatever you call the guy is great. And he talks about, well, I'm like you. We all have secrets. We all have horrible things we've done in our lives. Blah, 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 blah. And forgiveness and all this stuff. And everybody walks out of there. Ain't one of them willing to forgive anybody for anything. It's crap. Nope. It's called uh, being hypocritical is what it is. And there's so much hypocrisy going on in this country. Uh, I have no problem with my track record. I've had a clean record in both the Sacramento Kings and the radio station, Bonneville International Leadership. Uh, I had a phenomenal career. I was community involved and oriented with my foundation. Uh, Again, my record speaks for itself. You know, when Rachel Nichols went through her saga at ESPN, Adam Silver came out before game one of the NBA Finals and said nobody should lose their job over this and that a person's body of work should be, you know, analyzed before a decision of this magnitude is made. Nobody analyzed my body of work. It was a absolutely knee-jerk reaction because they wanted to use me, Bonneville International, as a scapegoat to show Black Lives Matter, hey, look at us. They were scared. Uh, It was a tumultuous time in our nation, and I was used as that sacrificial lamb. As I said, we'll see you in court. I'm still waiting uh, for my day. It's going to happen, and when it does, I'll be happy to come back on your show and tell you all about it. I might do the, I might do my show from the court. I might be like Nancy Grace, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and do because this fascinates me. I, you just keep going, man. Grant, I appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you, Dan. It's my hey, pleasure. Hold on, Anytime. Hold on. Hold care. on. Yeah. Hey, hey, tell me the, tell me about uh, Grant's rants. Give me the podcast. Oh well, you know, I have a podcast twice a week. I do Grant's rants where I pick on something just like you do uh, five days a week. Uh, I do a lot of different things. I've enjoyed it. I now st- have a post-game show on YouTube after the Kings game, so we're talking about that. Uh, not to brag, but Dan, just like you are in Indiana, you know, a lot of people still love me in Sacramento. I have a huge audience. Uh, the other night, I had over 30,000 people joining me for a post-game show after the Kings and the Lakers, which to me is kind of staggering and mind-boggling. So I'm staying busy. That's awesome. Uh, but, 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 but Dan, I want my name cleared. I want to be vindicated. See yeah. you in court. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.
Uh, we're going to be right you. back. I got a lot to get. To. Appreciate you. Uh, we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about what's going on in the NFL. Chris Beard got fired. Jake Paul is jumping into the MMA world. I got to tell you, that guy, I'm thinking about suing everybody. Indy Star, Ryder, just suing her ass. All right, we'll be, <laughs> we'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Well, oh, man, that's got me fired up. That's got me big fired up. Bigly fired up, as the kids say, Grant Napier. All right, yesterday, let's be honest, yesterday was an interesting day and a really, really good day uh, in the world. DeMar Hamlin uh, showed himself to be awake. And doctors said, upon being awake, he was able to communicate in writing. Ask his nurse if the Buffalo Bills won the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. The answer is yes, Damar, you won the game of life. Now, that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Um, Here's the deal. When you, as a player, wake up, that's a normal question. You're going to think it's not, but that's a normal question. Um, The normal, I I had a concussion one time. I got ran over on first base, and I was out. I mean, out. And I've told you this before. Um, The doctor, when I I had to go to the hospital, um, the doctor kept me awake. My dad was there with me, and all I asked him was, Dad, did we win? Yes. Dad, who ran me over? He told me the guy's name. Dad, did he do it on purpose? No. Dad, did we win? Yes. Dad, (laughs) Uh, what happened? You got ran over. Did he do it? I mean, it was a constant stream of these questions. And I'm so glad to hear DeMar Hamlin. Now, I'm going to say something controversial, and people can lose their mind on me. Uh, I don't think it was all that brave. Look, I I don't believe anything ESPN says. Like, I don't believe anything ESPN does. So you guys that want to tell me Dan Orvlosky praying was so brave, what's brave about it? Somebody tell me, what's, oh, it's so brave. No, I think everything done on ESPN is contrived. People have asked me constantly, well, don't you think that was so brave? I'm going to say no. I don't. I, I don't think brave. Brave is what the guys did running out there, uh, the EMTs. Brave is, in my opinion, what the two coaches did coming together as men. Uh, uh, hey, look, fellas, I, I need some time here. And then bowing my head. I stop it. I'm sorry. But ESPN, for me, being a guy that has been on that set, doing those shows, hosting those shows, that ain't brave. That's contrived. And let me go another direction with you that's probably going to bl- blank people off. If prayer is such a big deal now, And I've said this for years. Why isn't prayer put in front of our kids wherever our kids are? 
Why isn't prayer allowed in locker rooms why, uh, for kids? Why isn't prayer in our schools? I mean, everybody is praying. Everybody, prayers up, prayers this, keep praying. And I'm an advocate of it. Let me explain me to you. When things go south for me, I immediately pray. I go to the church over here, sit and just talk to my God. Period. Always have, always will. I see everybody's praying. But yet when I see our schools and our kids, you know what I see? Drag queens. Freaking drag queens. I see, well, you know, uh, my sexual orientation has to be kept from my mom. I see crap. Everybody and their mother is making a big deal about their own prayer. And that is a good thing. That is a great thing. But let me ask you a question. If prayer is such a big deal, why aren't we putting it in front of our children? I mean, Dan Orvlosky put it in front of us. No one seems to have a problem. In fact, prayer by Dan Orvlosky is brave. Really? Okay. I mean, if you say so. I mean, let's understand something here. It's great. I got no problem with Orvlosky doing it. I personally think it was contrived. Hey, fellas, wait a second. This is what I'm going to do. Hell, let me tell you what I did to get my wife back as a studio analyst. Uh, my wife dumped me. She wasn't my wife then. She was my girlfriend. She had a boyfriend. I was trying to, she dumped me. Said, I got to figure this out with this guy. You're done. A couple months went by. I'm doing a halftime show with Jonathan Coachman. I said, give me some room here. It's halftime of the Syracuse game. My wife was the softball coach at Syracuse. So I go into this big deal about Jim Beheim. And how he helps other coaches. And I go into this big deal about the softball coach, Lee Ross. I told John, give me some room here. And I talked glowingly about it. You know what happens, baby? My phone, there she is. I thought you hated me. How could I hate you? Hey, let's talk. Okay, next thing you know, she's dumping her boyfriend. I'm dumping my girlfriend. Next thing you know, we're married. And we got the whole catastrophe here. So don't tell me these things aren't contrived. You come to this show to learn what really happens. So it was, oh man, we got to see the reaction. Dan Ovlowski's brave. No, I like what Dan Ovlowski did. But don't tell me that's brave. That's all contrived. And nobody can tell me differently because I've been a part of it. But if it is such a big deal, prayer, then why are we, why are we so against prayer in front of children? That's my question. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. You tell me the answer and I'll listen. Give me the answer right now on Twitter. If we are so, and I mean, we got hundreds, we got 300 people, 400 people. Just ask. All right. Texas fires men's basketball coach Chris Beard. I like Chris Beard. I'm not going to lie. I was shocked and saddened when I saw what happened. In fact, I'm texting Chris Beard as soon as the show's over. We're going to have Roger Wallace, who has been uh, in Texas covering the Longhorns. He's the analyst uh, for the football team on the radio. He also... Uh, is the leading sportscaster on the NBC affiliate down in Austin. And, full disclosure, he's my college roommate. So Roger's going to come on and talk about the dynamics of firing Chris Beard. 
Here's what I see. You had no choice. I could be wrong. But when the allegations came out, and Chris Beard really had no defense, he really had no defense. Let's be honest. There wasn't, there wasn't, uh, hold on one second. I just got a text here. Um, anyway, I had to answer this. There wasn't anything that came out, nothing that came out, zero that came out to exonerate Chris Beard. I don't care what his freaking uh, fiance said. I don't. That was sad for Chris Beard's fiance. You know, I've studied this. I, when I was coaching, I will and made sure nobody was involved in domestic violence. Nobody on my staff, in my program was good. And I educated them. And one thing we all learned is the victim many times will come back to protect the perpetrator. And that ain't right. That ain't right. It ain't right for her because she is put in an untenable situation. The pressure on her. He's a very popular guy. The coach, the coach that's going to bring hook'em horns back to prominence, a Texas guy. Pressure's on her. Millions of dollars. You heard Bruce Pearl say that he lost $11 million last year. Or, I'm sorry, when he got fired from Tennessee. $11 million. How about that? It's a lot of money. Well, he's losing the same. Pressure on her. Nothing that came out exonerated, so they had absolutely no choice. No choice. Zero choice. None. All right? So what do they do next? My peeps are telling me Calvin Sampson is sniffing around. He's over there in Houston. Calvin's no fool. He's done a great job in Houston. I'm sure that Calvin would like to stay at Houston publicly. I'm also sure that Calvin is a ladder climber. He's smart. He may love Houston. He may love what he's done. He's got the number one team in the country. You can be the number one team in the country and be a bit under the radar, but Texas got big money, man. And Calvin Sampson's one of those dudes uh, that lost a ton of money when Indiana blank canned him. So the truth of the matter is, uh, Royal Ivy has been coaching. Who knows? I don't know. But I know this. You had to do it to Chris Beard, and I hate it for everybody involved. We'll talk to Roger Wallace. We'll get the latest on why, and why the timing, all that kind of crap that you all care about that, frankly, I really don't. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I don't like getting into weeds. Well, you know, uh, we, we, we had to wait. Of course you had to wait. You got to see. You got to let things play out. And, ladies and gentlemen, you got to read the contract. Because everybody's trying to get out of something. You know why you listen to this show? Because I tell you things you don't know. Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars are still fighting over $25 million. Jacksonville's trying to screw them. All right, Jake Paul. Jake Paul is jumping into the MMA world, and he's doing it smart. He's not joining the UFC. This is what guys do, what they should do. He's joining the PFL as an owner. Now, people, let me equate this to Peyton Manning. People always say, 
Peyton Manning should go be the GM of the Colts. Boy, would I love to see him be the offensive coordinator of the Colts. See that guy right there? He ain't going to be an employee without ownership. Michael Jordan's the smartest dude ever. Michael Jordan said, hey, I'm going to own GM. That's for you guys. Ownership, that's what we do. Peyton Manning isn't going to be the GM of a football team. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, isn't going to be the offensive coordinator, the head coach. I'm surprised Tom Brady isn't trying to buy Fox, much less go be an announcer on Fox. You own when you get to that position. You don't work for nobody. Zero. Zip. Nada. You own. Period. I get a kick out of it. Like, John Elway, pretty damn smart. John Elway said, hey, look, I ain't going to be nothing but an owner. Now, John Elway has done a lot of, I guess, good and bad things. I mean, he had car dealerships. They went south, that kind of thing. But I got to tell you, John Elway, who is under heat now, and he should be, of course, because what did he do? He brought in Russell Wilson. He's owning. Period. Don't even try it. Don't even think it. Uh, Luka Doncic says, hey, look, man, I ain't playing 20 years. I ain't playing 20 years in the NBA. Why not? What the hell you got to do? He's 23 years old. This is his fifth year in the NBA. He doesn't turn 24 until February. He said, look, uh, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough talking about playing LeBron. You got a guy that's been playing for 20 years. I like Luca video. You got Luca video? Let's see some Luca video. Odds you think of anybody ever catching LeBron? Oh, odds? You should ask Vegas that. (laughs) (laughs) How possible do you think it is? I mean, uh, it's always a possibility, you know, but it's going to be really tough. Uh, You get to have a guy that plays for 20, I mean, 20s now, 20 years uh, in that shape. uh, I mean, how he holds up his body. uh, I'm just saying outside all the basketball skills, you know, it's just, it's very hard to hold that body. if you're saying me, there's no way because I'm not playing that much. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. You, you already anticipate the question. You say no way in hell for you, huh? No. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's just amazing to watch him, you know. Uh, like I say, it's his 20 season. What he's doing, he scored uh, 30, 40 almost every night. It's just incredible. Uh, we barely see those things. It is incredible when you think about 20 years. And if anybody could do it, it's not going to be Luka Doncic. I'll tell you why. Well, here's why. Luka Doncic's body always fluctuates, right? You see him beginning of the year. He looks like he's been eating, drinking, having a celebratory, too many beers, that kind of thing, which is why I like Doncic. LeBron spends millions on his body. You can say whatever you'd like about LeBron James, but LeBron James has always understood who in the Sam Heck LeBron James is, and that is a warrior basketball player. Now, what does that mean? That means the same thing it meant for Kobe, the same thing it meant for Michael, the same thing it meant for Kareem, the same thing it eventually meant for Charles. I got to get my diet first. I got to learn about stretching. 
I got to learn about weights, not just lifting weights. I got to get certain muscles right. Michael Jordan had to build up his upper body to take the punishment. Charles Barkley had to slim down his upper body. Luka Doncic is going to have to maintain his legs because of the way he shoots the basketball. There's a variety of things here, but I don't see Luka Doncic playing 20 years, although I got to tell you, I'll always watch LeBron James. I used to love watching Rajon Rondo, and I'll always watch Luka Doncic. I used to say Rajon Rondo was the one guy I'd pay. He was like a scientist playing basketball. I ain't mad at Jalen Brunson either. There are very few guys in the NBA. I hope Doncic plays for 20 years. I hope Doncic does what he needs to do. But I got to tell you, I don't see it happening. He's going to have to cut. He's going to have to go to vodka, not beer. Beer gets you big. Vodka, eh. Tequila, eh. My doctor, my doctor actually told me 10 drinks a week's pretty good. So I figured that's like the speed limit. If it's 10, that means I can go 15. But I've actually stopped drinking. I'm going dry January. I hope you'll join me. And I'm looking slim down already. All right. <laughs> Man, Luka Doncic. How about that? A um, couple of other things that I want to I wanna get into. Mattress Mac. We know Mattress Mac. He won 10 mil. Mattress Mac is wagering 1.5 million dollars bump it up bump it up bump it up on TCU over Uga in the national that must have been from like 30 years ago Dylan that looks like an old mattress Mac he would win 5.5 million there he is there's our boy you know what guys that live like mattress Mac see what he does all the time you always see him smiling. You ever see a writer for like the Indy Star? They're always. I went to, this is a true story. So you go to, when I was at ESPN, you go to the basketball seminar. And every guy there that played or coached or like Benetti has been a big time announcer, you're laughing. Every guy that's a writer, Jeff Barzello, Myron Metcalf, most miserable of all time. I mean miserable. I sit there and look at Seth Greenberg. Hey, man, look at these writer idiots. Just miserable because they're not respected. They're miserable in their lives. Greenberg and I are like, man, this is the greatest job ever. What the heck are we doing? It's the same thing with Mattress Matt. All those guys that don't gamble, don't drink, don't swear, blah, 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 blah. They're always... They're always in everybody else's business. They're always mad. Show me a picture other than when Mattress Mac had a fight fight off opposing fans in New York. Show me a Mattress Mac picture where he's not having a good time. Show it to me. I mean, you basically cannot do it. Mattress Mac is always, always happy. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always doing something, and I got to tell you, people gravitate to him. Name me one person in the media, particularly in the writer division, that anybody gravitates to. Oh, man, I really want to hang out with Greg Doyle and his dogs. Huh? No. Mattress Mac, he's just like, eh, it is what it is. 
Now, maybe he's got so much money, and maybe when that front door closes, it ain't quite what I'm presenting. I don't know. But I got to tell you, I love me some Mattress Mac. I've always liked a little bit of the Rebels. I always like guys and gals that have a little bit of an edge to them. Seriously. Guy says, Mattress Mac on the YouTube chat is so bad at gambling. All right, there. All right, he's in church. Look at this. Look at the nuns. He's with the nuns. You know what he's doing right here? He's praying for the Astros. Mattress Mac is so bad at gambling. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dan, Dave Schnell says, I would hang out with Jason Whitlock. Yeah, all right. Uh, I do know this. This is interesting, Mike Cole, because I know his financial advisor. The second richest former player out of the NBA is not anybody you may have heard of, somebody that I grew up idolizing. His name is Junior Bridgman. Junior Bridgman is worth over $600 million. You know why? Because back in the day, Junior Bridgman started out by buying every Wendy's that there was. Every Wendy's. And my friend, Bill Pabst, who's his financial guy, is the smartest dude in the history of the world. But there you go. That's right. Mattress Mac, if he's no good at gambling, the dude just won $10 million. Hey, look, I understand those of us that hit a parlay for 50 large, we think we're on to something. But damn. Damn. It is what it is, baby. Anyway... Good for Mattress Mac, good for our YouTube chat. Keep it coming here, and away we go. Dan, Mattress Mac can sell mattresses, but he cannot bet. All right. All right. Dan, did you know that Junior Bridgman owned over 400 Wendy's, 150 Chili's? Yeah, he sold a lot of them. Dan, I've hung out with, hey, Dan, can't, uh, hey, Dan, can't stand you in particular, but I'm just here for Coach JB. Fair enough, bro. I mean, I don't know you, Tyler Graham. Hey, we take on all. We take on everybody. We want everybody. If you don't like me better, I don't know you, but you know me. That's the way the world works. Coach JB, you know him, you love him. He said something. He's going to be our next guest. He said something incredibly interesting, and I'm going to find out whether he's being facetious or not. You know Jason Brown. He's the Coach JB Show at the real coach underscore JB. You know him from Last Chance U. But I got to ask him. He said something that if he's not kidding, I got to hear the explanation for why young athletes are falling over dead at a record number. He said, and it wasn't about the vaccine, he tweeted something out that I got to talk to him about. I also got to get his take on the NFL, what he thinks about the national championship game, and wherever the heck else he wants to go, because he's awesome. We shall return with my friend Jason Brown at the real coach underscore JB. We're going to get after it here in a moment. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, look, I like people that have coached, 
that aren't afraid to coach hard, that aren't afraid to get after it, that aren't afraid to be blunt. I don't know about you, but that's just a description right there of my man, Jason Brown, host of the Coach JB Show. Um, at the real coach underscore JB is a Twitter. I got to get right into this because you put something on Twitter. A lot of people are asking the question, and it, or, or actually you can't ask the question, about the vaccine's influence on young athletes. You put out that artificial weed may be involved in maybe not deaths or maybe the deaths of young athletes. Walk me through this, big boy. First of all, we, we can't ask questions anymore. Um, I, I, I've been seeing it, you know, especially where I'm from and uh, getting to see these guys. Let me, let me, Dan, we just got to start using some common sense here. If you can walk into a dispensary and order pineapple, watermelon, and blackberry marijuana, the last time I checked, that's not coming from the earth. That is synthetically made, manufactured. And if I'm using common sense, I got to ask myself, well, something's got to be in this thing, just like what's in Taco Bell food. Probably not very good. And we're not talking about these things as much as we're talking about the shot. And I'm just like, listen, there's an all-time injury in the NFL and the NBA, Dan, that no one's talking about. 900 NFL players are, have been injured this year higher than ever before. And the NBA is dropping like flies, like something like 400 NBA players are injured. And the recovery rate, which I've done data on, is slower now than it has ever been. And I started to look into this and I'm like, well, let me look into what is the common denominator with young people. And it is weed. Zion Williamson, John Moran, look at all these guys that smoke all this heavy weed and you see the injuries, and guess what it is? Soft tissue and fractures of bones, hairline fractures, stress fractures, soft tissue, hamstrings, shoulders, everything that I've looked into, and I've spoke to six different doctors, and they've all told me that marijuana is attributed to bone density issues. And if we're having this discussion and no one wants to bring it up, why can't this be a scenario where we're having weed as a mid-time contributor to heart ailments and other issues with blood flow and et cetera, et cetera, instead of just the shot, the shot, the shot? I, I'm, not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just asking the question. I'm not saying it's factual. I'm just saying why has no one brought it up? When I, look, I'm I am outside the weed community, but I have been to a dispensary twice, and I am I was fascinated by it because some dude that looked like he he just you know walked in off the street is acting like a chemist back there. If you want to know the truth, so uh, weed is popular. Anybody that thinks it isn't is living with their head up their backside. Everybody talks about it being natural, but what you're saying is, and I think we first saw it with the honey badger back at LSU when we learned about synthetic weed. What? Dan, let me ask you though. When we were growing up, I'm the, I wasn't a weed guy. I, I never have been. But when we were growing up, the last time I checked, and I just talked to Pat Perez the other day about this same scenario. I got to get him on your show. He, he, he said the same thing. 
It used to come from the dirt and it was horrible. And you smoked it, you got high for 10 minutes and you were back to working at Walmart or wherever your work job was, right? Nowadays, you're high for six days on this crap and you're sitting there looking around like a zombie and you think this is natural from the earth? No. Hey, Dan, can you go out into your backyard and pull up some pineapple marijuana? Because I have never seen it. You must be a hell of a chemist if you can make some pineapple weed and uh, you're a hell of a damn. You're, you're unbelievable. I just don't, I don't understand why we can't say, dang, that's something we need to think about because the injuries and, is what caught. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was just saying, Dan, the injuries is what had me look into this deeper and start talking to some doctors. My mom's a doctor. I started to dive into it and I'm like, why are we so injury prone now in the in in a science driven era? And we're supposedly having we have the best uh, equipment now. We have the best doctors now. We have all this great updated science. Well, why are we so injury prone then? And guess what, Dan? We play in the softest era ever. We don't hit the quarterback. We don't have kickoff return anymore. We don't have wedge breakers. We can't foul you with a clothesline in basketball unless it's an instant review for 10 minutes because it's a flagrant one for breathing on you. And we're injured more than ever? Like, something's got to be thought about here. And when I thought of this, I'm like, well, what, what can it be? And then I find out weed does have a direct correlation with bone density, bone, man, uh, bone um, uh, recovery, and it's a lot of stress fractures out here, a lot of hamstring injury, soft tissue. Directly correlation is marijuana. And I don't know what's in it. What, what, what have doctors told you? I'm going to go back to that. They've said that there is weed. So I, I, I brought it up because I played with a guy in college who smoked weed like I've never seen. And we had 6 a.m. weights. He, started, he got up at 5 just to smoke weed. This is a guy from Compton I grew up with who lived. He grew up with it. His mother smoked it while he was in the womb. So this is a guy who grew up on it. And he also would start up and drink a 40 ounce of old E. So you drink a 40 ounce of old E and smoke weed before a workout. Well, guess what the doctors told me? There is a direct correlation with the smoke that you ingest and inhale compared to the hydration level that you must have in your body. You have to have equal parts or more. Just like when you, when we were growing up, Dan, you had this whole thing with, uh, you know, taking all these supplements to work out. And this back in our day, it was the powder. And you had to take the powder and you had to have equal parts water or you're going to cramp the hell up and you're going to be done. It's the same with ingesting and inhaling smoke. You have to drink water. And these guys don't drink nearly enough water. And what's happening is their bones are becoming so brittle from the actual smoke that people don't want to talk about it. And the smoke is actually just dis disabling the bone density in your body, and it allows your recovery time to prolong. And that's why you're seeing injuries that we used to recover from in a week take six weeks now. Meniscus tears, uh, Dan, just so you know, Ron Artest towards meniscus with the, with the Lakers back in the, uh, earlier in the, in the early 2000s, and he played. He had it scoped out the next day and played that weekend. Lonzo Ball hasn't came back yet. 
from a meniscus? Like, what are we doing? What are we talking about? Like, why? There's got to be something that is out there that no one's talking about. And the recovery time from injuries is number one. I, I, it's either we're soft as hell or we just don't want to. We're just collecting these big checks and we don't want to earn them and work for them like we used to. Or there's a legitimate issue. Zion Williamson, how do you miss a whole year? Like, well, I know for a fact he smokes weed, but nobody wants to talk about it. So. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's because of weed, but I'm saying, can we ask about it? Can we talk about it? Can it be? You know, it's funny. You get crushed if you do ask any questions. By the way, this just came in. I I want your reaction to this. Ian Rappaport is saying, this is amazing. DeMar Hamlin is addressing the team via FaceTime, breathing tube out. He spent the morning speaking to various teammates on FaceTime. Now he's delivering a message to the entire group. So that's great news. As a coach, I had that happen one time, not to that extent. I had a kid actually die at a camp, but as a coach, a lot of us have dealt with these kind of things, right? I mean, what's your experience with this kind of thing? Man, I've dealt with this a lot of times. I've seen it. I mean, I don't understand how this is, you know, what's happening is it's made it, it's made it, we're in such a sensitive and fragile state in America. We're so fragile that if you see anything like this happen live time, that it's now the the number one talk every morning you wake up. It is Hamlin, Hamlin, Hamlin. Listen, we're coaches, Dan. We 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 have sympathy for this young man. We don't want to have this happen under our watch as a coach. We don't want to see the young men uh, get injured like this or have anything happen like this. But Peyton Hill has just saved his family's lives, uh, drowning, and I haven't seen anybody talk about he's in critical condition. And when you talk about it over and over and over, you embed it into our skulls that this is the single most relevant thing in the world. And it's really not because my buddy was walking down the street the other day and got hit by a spark plug driving by and got hit in the chest and died walking his dog. And this is this is a freak incident that occurred. And I've known this guy 20 years. This happens every day. Something like this happens every day. But we saw it live. And now we have to continue to make it the biggest deal ever. And we're in such a fragile state that when we talk about something over and over and over and over, we embed it in ourselves. And this is the narrative we push. And we're so soft that we can't get past it. And we're canceling games. Dan, Chris Henry died in 09. We played two days later. So I'm just saying, like, what has happened here? Why has this become... The stop all time, like did did time stop? Something I, I did the clock stop? Did we have to? Did can you, did you miss work, Dan? I want to know. Did you miss work for this? Because I don't know anyone that could have stopped work for this, and we're stopping everything for this. And I don't know how we played an entire global pandemic season and did not miss one game, Dan. How did we go through a global pandemic and not miss a game? And now we're missing games. I don't know. Hey, let me let, let, let me go to this. When you saw the hit, you know, I always say this. You know, Dale Earnhardt, his crash looked like any other crash, and all of a sudden he dies. Bo Jackson's hip thing looked like any other run and tackle, a little awkward. When you were coaching or you're watching on TV, sometimes it's not the biggest hits that cause the biggest problems. Is that your experience? 
Yeah, it is. Most most big hits you pop right up from. The big ones you get up from, those are the ones that actually don't hurt either. It's the ones that hit you in an awkward situation and you land awkwardly, and that's the one that hurts forever. I thought when it happened that it was a concussion because it was the delayed situation. I thought it was a concussion, and I've seen concussions look like that before. So, you know, everybody takes it for granted. We're watching it, and 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 so be it. And then we see that this happened. And my mom's a doctor. She said, you know what? It, she's seen this a hundred times. It reminds her of what's called SADS, S-A-D-S, which is a, like a, it's a rhythmic uh, heart disease ailment that what happens is when, the, uh, when a bubble of oxygen is going up your aorta valve and you get hit in it, which is like the odds of it are like a one in a billion, it stops that going from, so it stops the, the, the oxygen to your brain and then the blood flow continues through your body for a couple seconds and then that's it, it stops. And she said it looks just like SADS. So I had to Google SADS and I saw a lot of videos and that's exactly what it looked like. He got hit at a, at a time where it's just a freak incident where an oxygen bubble is traveling up his aorta valve. He got hit right on it and now they're calling it Morsha Cordis or whatever they're saying. Um, it's either way, Dan, it's very, very rare. And it is a freak incident. It doesn't happen every day. We don't, we don't see it. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad to see it because you never want to see a 24 year old ever be put in that scenario. Um, but it is what we sign up for It is what we do. And you know, my dad died in 05, man. I didn't get, I didn't get anyone to care about it. And, and, and I brought this up, Dan, this guy's, uh, this guy's, uh, you know, foundation has raised like $2,500 in two years. He's got $14 million in four, 24 hours, and nobody, care, nobody cared before. Why are we so reactive and not proactive? Why don't we care before the incident and not after? We see a seven-year-old get shot every day. Nobody talks about it. It's not on ESPN, and nobody's giving money to his foundation. And nobody's talking to the to the idiots that are shooting these kids on a daily basis to be proactive and let's get them out of the community. Let's get them off their cell phones and let's start getting them to do something that's worth the crap instead of rip, putting out rest in peace on Twitter after the fact. Anyone can do it after the fact. Can you do it proactively like I go out and every day and talk to these inner city kids in the hood and tell their butts, stop being stupid. Go do something worth the damn so you can help your community out in the long run. We don't do that no more. We don't do it proactively. We do it retroactively and reactively, and, and that's what's happening here. Why, why can't we donate to the kid when he was doing it before? Because nobody knew who he was, Dan. So now everyone knows who he is, and we have sympathy for him, and we've given him $14 million. So it's just, it's just sad to see that's what we're, where we are. We have to have something like this happen to, to really understand it and, and, and actually give to a cause. I wish we'd get this on a daily basis. We'd be a better place for it. Hey, let me go to the national championship game. What's your thoughts on TCU? What's your thoughts on Georgia? Man, if TCU wins, which I'm doing on my show right now, if TCU wins, Dan, Sark and Jimbo Fisher should walk in and resign. Like, these are two Texas programs that are, are like, wait up, how did TCU jump our butts? Like, I don't know. Uh, Max Dugan, um, he's a nutty, gunny guy. I am I, personally saying that Georgia's going to mollywop him. I don't see Georgia having a repeat 
uh, horrific defensive effort. TCU does not have the wideouts Ohio State had. If Marvin Harrison Jr. don't get hurt, Ohio State's in this game right now. Uh, no question about it. Georgia could not defend the perimeter on the edge with a good quarterback like C.J. Stroud dropping dimes. Max Dugan, I think, is more of a nutty-gutty performer without the athletes on the edge. I think George is going to hone in and dominate the game personally. Um, I think it's going to be a lopsided one. Give me your take on the NFL right now. Not necessarily the off the field, but on the field. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers looks like Aaron Rodgers. At least he's leading his team. Brady's throwing for 400 yards. Jalen Hurts looks like he's the MVP. Give me your thoughts. It is the worst football I've ever seen in my life in the NFL. <laughs> the NFL is the worst I've ever seen. And so is college, by the way. But we have such a watered-down product, Dan, that any given week it can be someone else because you never know who's playing because we live in a, we're in a sus- unsustainable league. Lamar Jackson's not sustainable with the action that he plays in. He's been hurt for how long? Justin Fields is, is hurt again. Trey Lance is out for the season. Um, Josh Allen is one play away, Dan, from being done, and the Buffalo Bills going back to being the Buffalo Bills of old. And we don't understand this. Quarterback play is at an all-time low, even though it is the greatest They're the greatest athletes we've ever seen at the position. That doesn't mean they're the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. The quarterback play in totality is bad. That creates bad football. If you don't have good quarterback play, you have bad football. Aaron Rodgers has struggled earlier this year with no wideout play, and guess what you've had? Bad football. Tom Brady struggled without certain guys. Bad football. And you see it because Kyler Murray, we pay him $250 million. He is unbelievably overrated and horrible. And now you're stuck with the guy. Derek Carr, who I've been saying is awful, finally gets benched, and you see them put up points and look good versus the number one defense in the 49ers. The mediocrity is now the new excellence, Dan. We think that mediocrity is the new excellence, and just because you run around and look pretty out there, you're good. No, you're actually not. And until somebody like that wins a Super Bowl, I'm going to continue to say – that the quarterback play is making the league bad, very average. And now you're seeing OGs like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, start getting surrounded with a little bit of health, number one, getting healthy again. And number two, the resurgence of this Watson kid for Aaron Rodgers has given him another Devontae Adams type of guy. And now guess what? He's starting to look comfortable, and the Packers are now another formidable force if they get into this playoff run. So who wants to play the Packers and the Bucks right now, first round? Nobody. But football, in my opinion, is just watered down, and we think that it's equal and it's and it's and it's and it's uh oh equality is so is so is equal now. No, it's not equality. It's bad football, and that's what we're seeing. But nobody wants to talk about that either, Dan. I break it down. Uh, Sean Salisbury and I break it down every day on our show, Last Chance Q. So. Uh, you know, Sean, he'll tell you, football is bad. Quarterback play is bad. And it is what it is, and no one if, wants to say it. If you could change one thing, one thing about either college or the NFL, what would it be? Transfer portal. 
because the transfer portal is now trending upwards into the NFL because these NFL players were in the transfer portal era. And guess what? Now you see NFL guys under contract demand trades, Dan. Like, when did we demand trades under contract? You see it in the NBA with Harden. You see it in the NBA with Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. You see it in the NBA now, and you're seeing it in NFL now. And that is what equally is what the portal is. It's free agency without a return is what the transfer portal is in college. And now you're seeing it in the NFL. So if you got rid of the portal, some people think it's the NIL. No, it's not the NIL because if the NIL were just that only and no portal, you'd have guys getting paid to stay at a school instead of guys getting paid to leave schools. So if the portal would go away, I think you would have some tough skin being established and you start creating some nuts and guts, so to speak, and guys would start persevering through some uh, adversity and having to stick it out like we all had to do growing up. And guess what? Sucking your lip and crying over spilled milk didn't work back in our day. We had to strap on our hard hats and work boots and go to work and earn it and get it. Now we're getting the car keys to the Lamborghini and the Ferrari, and we don't even know how to drive the car, Dan. And that is why we are so enabling. And these kids expect instant gratification. And it's so much of a player empowerment league. The players run everything. The marketplace has been set so high that we're paying guys like Kyler Murray, who is totally unproven, hasn't done anything. And we've given him $250 million. And now he's now at home getting to play video games, chilling, Why Colt McCoy is out here getting his butt whooped on a team that's just not very good. And the sacrificial lamb in that one, as we know, will be Cliff Kingsbury and the head coach. So we're paying guys at an insurmountable amount of money to be mediocre. And we think mediocrity is the new excellence. And that is why transfer portal needs to come to a halt or this thing's going to implode and it's going to be very very hard to watch for me in the future gotta tell you um i don't think it's coming to a halt i think it's only going to get better my friend thanks what do you got on the show today you already do your show no i'm doing it right now i got steve kim hosting me for me while i came in here um but I, I'm just talking about some football. We're breaking down some film and then uh, just talking about, you know, everything that uh, kind of stuff you're talking about. I was watching you while I was doing my show. So uh, we're just doing that. I go 6 to 9 a.m. on the on the West Coast. So we've got another hour and a half yet. And I got a couple guests coming on. And then uh, I'll have Adam Pacman Jones on my show Monday. So that'll be interesting. But we're just talking about some real talk banter, as you know I do. And, and I'll, I'll be, I'm about to light up a cigar. I got my, I'm in my new cigar studio, Dan. You got to come out here, man. What's going on? <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Tell Sean I said hello. I miss that guy. Tell my. I know. Hello. I appreciate you. No doubt. Take care. Thank you. That's our friend, the real coach underscore JB. Look, uh, he's going to give it to you straight. You may not like it. That's up to you. I mean, you may not like what he just said about, you know, DeMar, uh, Hamlin, but he, Peyton Hillis is, and our thoughts and prayers go to him. Peyton Hillis is fighting for his life after saving his kids. And I got to tell you, I'm watching all day here, Skip. Uh, and by the way, Shannon Sharp, who are just laughing like crazy. I don't know if that was contrived once again, but I haven't heard anybody 
talking about that. Not a single thing. Not a thing. Honest to God, not a thing about Peyton Hillis saving his family. We all know the deal, but that's all right. I'm not mad. I am not mad even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I want DeMar Hamlin to get all the money he can in his foundation. And the news of the day came from Ian Rappaport, which said that DeMar Hamlin spoke to his teammates via Facebook, yeah, via Facebook, and then he spoke individually, collectively, without a breathing tube. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, is some good news, some really good news. You know, yesterday in the college basketball world, uh, just to break it down a little bit, my Indiana Hoosiers are the worst coached good team in college basketball. Yeah, I don't want to hear about Xavier Johnson being out the human turnover. I don't want to hear about Race Thompson getting injured yesterday. If you're going to lose two guys, particularly starters, you got people to replace them. I want to hear about why nobody's getting better. You Indiana fans out there, I want to hear why Trey Galloway falls down all the time, or I want to hear why late in the game, Jalen Hood, Shafino, whatever the hell his name, couldn't get a shot. I want to hear uh, from Indiana fans why, why, somebody explain this to me, why Indiana looks so lost against his own. Connor McCaffrey, the coach's son for Iowa, said after, it's like Indiana had never seen his own. Now, you got to understand McCaffrey's comments. They're in defense of his father, who lost his mind once again. Odd game last night, technical foul called as McCaffrey, the coach, came across to talk to a little cheating assistant or a guy who was accused of cheating, uh, came across and they confront, or he confronted the assistant from Indiana who was talking to the referee, and McCaffrey did this and all this kind of crap. Then his son came over, technical was called, then they rescinded it. Next thing you know, Indiana loses. And is Indiana, frankly, is Indiana an NCAA tournament team? I mean, that is a damn good question. So it's driving me nuts. I got my Indiana thing on because I'll always support. And I had watched earlier Purdue's Fletcher Lawyer drill a three after Purdue had been down 11 on the road. Now, you got to understand, Purdue and Ohio State are really good. Iowa stinks. Iowa stinks like my backside after a bunch of Coney dogs, ladies and gentlemen. Iowa absolutely stinks. And for 15 years, I've heard idiots whether it's at the Indy Star or these 36 little blogger boys, call me names when I've told you exactly what Indiana basketball is on the court. I don't give a damn about off the court. I don't even give a damn. I told you you should have hired Alford. You didn't hire Alford, so there you go. Man, I got to tell you, between the Colts and IU, the state of Indiana is really struggling. But anyway, long story short, there's my rant. All right, when we come back, I got to talk. I got to talk about, well, Chris Beard being fired. And I'm going to talk about it with my college roommate, a man named Roger Wallace. Now, Roger is the radio analyst for the football team, but he's been the best broadcaster in Austin on the NBC station there. He's going to join us by phone, and he is going to, we'll try to get through why Roger thinks it took so long, what the dynamics are and uh, how this whole thing is going to go. He has talked uh, or has been reporting on this firing 
talking with Chris Del Conte on Beard. We'll see what happens there. All right, we come back. Roger Wallace from, ladies and gentlemen, KXAN in Austin, Texas, talking about the firing of Chris Beard. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. One of the things that you can say about the University of Texas at Austin is that it's always interesting. My friend, my college roommate, Roger Wallace, the best broadcaster, football radio analyst, KXAN, in Austin. He's been down there for a long time, about 26, 27 years. Nice enough to join us. You've been on this story. Roger, thanks for coming on. Beard is a guy that I've known a long time and I really like. Um... When you heard this story and you saw the details, what was your initial thought? Just, just disbelief. I mean, you're, you're talking about you wake up in the morning and you, like we all do now, you go to social media and uh, text that I get from work. And I said, this can't, this can't be real. This can't be real. You can come back from a lot of things immediately. But what this guy is alleged to happen is unbelievable when you think they're sitting at number two of the country at one point, lost a tough game to Illinois uh, in overtime, but clearly they've got the, the roster to end up in Houston. And looking forward, this was their 20-year hire, Dan, no doubt about it. They had to get him. Daka Smart left, and he opened the door, and they got him. And fast forward a month, and uh, it's over. You know, I've known Chris. I'm going to go back to something you said. There's no coming back from this. You know, and look, when I coached, I said immediately. That's what you said, immediately thought, right? There was no coming back from this. People can be, you know, critical. I mean, Chris Del Conte did what he absolutely had to do, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I, I think, honestly, he did it and people above him also we're, we're in on this. And, and, and Dan, I think about something you told me a long time ago, which is why I said he can't come back immediately. And you told me a long time ago, get fired for anything but losing, and you can keep yeah. your career going eventually. So uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me if, if we see Chris Beard coaching again, but it just didn't seem realistic at Texas. No, you know, it's, a couple of my former players text me last night, and I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna let the where his career heads. Where does Texas head here now? Rodney Terry's done a pretty good job. I mean, he's kept the ship afloat, I suppose. Where do they head? What do they do? Yeah, that's 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 the crazy thing about it, Dan. Is they're getting on playing to go Stillwater today. They played the night this went down against a pretty good Rice team. Rice took them to overtime. Texas found a way. So not only are you dealing with the earthquake of losing your coach, but in the middle of a season where you think you've got a chance to contend for a championship. So they go to Stillwater, and they're sitting at 12-2. and two. They had a horrible game, but it was an anomaly to me. Now, if they keep giving 100 points, it won't be. But what happened is Kansas State. So, uh, you know, Rodney Terry's a 10-year head coach, longtime Greg Barnes assistant at Texas. Seems like he's about as good as you can have to try to navigate this. But, you know, the speculation's already there, names, because unless he takes into lead eight or a final four, most people think they're going to move on and have to start over. 
was this in the community, because, you know, for people that don't know, Roger's been the number one uh, newscaster, nightly newscaster, <laughs> sportscaster in Austin for 25 years. Uh, so you have a pulse. You do all kind of charity things. So you're around people. What, what was the sentiment of the Texas fans um, when this happened, when it initially happened, when, you know, his fiance came out with her statement? And then ultimately, what's the sentiment now that he's been fired? I think it's all pretty much the same. It went from, from disbelief to, and if, if you're wired that you want at a cost for Spear to be your coach at Texas, then you're taking uh, what's happened the last few weeks and saying, oh, there's a chance. They dropped the charges, there's a chance. And then there's a side that said what I said on that morning. It's over. Uh, you, you can't come back from this at this place. And Chris Beard was a he was a marketing guy. Dan, he would start every every news conference uh, before a game with a marketing update, and you know his sense of humor and and the fireside chats and all the things. He was such a such an uh, uh, extrovert. He's at baseball games, signing autographs, football games on the sidelines. I mean, all that changes if if for somehow uh, he was able to keep his job. And then I don't even want to get into the recruiting because you know that angle way better than I do, but you got to sell mom. So everybody knows what's going on. So, again, I think everybody was shocked. I think most people assumed this was going to be the end result. And I think the people that wanted to say, we have to, Chris Beard as our coach, held out some hope that, that things would change. What is your sense? I mean, the legal issues aside, um, what what is your sense on? And I don't know what I don't never know how to quantify this, Roger. And I'm kind of putting my hands in my head. But what's the impact? We had Sarkeesian losing his mind that went viral the other day. Now we, you know, now this guy. What 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 what's the athletic department like? What, what, what's the impact of all this on the athletic department? The boosters, that kind of thing. What's happened here this week? Yeah, this is. Uh... You know, it's not good because, and I hear you, what you said about the, the Sark thing. That was, uh, you know, before the Alamo Bowl and somebody caught it on, on their own video. It wasn't on the, the ESPN broadcast. And, uh, you know, we don't know both sides of the story other than the optics of it. Uh, but uh, the, the uh, situation was beard. Is I'm, I'm sure they're going. I, I would venture to say, Dan, if you said, one coach you cannot lose at Texas. Now, granted, Eddie Reese is the greatest swimming coach in the history of college sports. Jared Elliott just won a national championship in volleyball. But I would say long-term, as I said, 20-year plan, Chris Beard was probably the one you would think they can't lose this guy. The basketball culture here is real finicky. And this was a guy that knew what he was getting into, wasn't going to get frustrated uh, at, at the way basketball is followed, is loved. He had this brand new arena where all of a sudden it's not, you know, a cavernous 16 and a half thousand seat arena. If you have a nice crowd of 9,000, you still have 7,000 empty seats and it's dark and it's not configured well uh, for basketball. So they're scratching their head going, holy cow, I cannot believe we're in this situation 42 games into his career as the head coach. I, I, I don't want to speculate. This is more of an informational deal because I talked to a lot of coaches over the last 
well, actually 10 years, you know, now that when you're not coaching or you're broadcasting, I talk to more. And one of the things that they have said has really changed in college athletics is the responsibility of the athletic director and the possibility of the athletic director being out of a job. I'm not asking you to speculate on that. I'm just asking you, I get, well, maybe I am. I'm just asking you, is Chris Del Conte, you know, what's his involvement? Where is he at with boosters and fans? I think it's it's really good because of of the the things that he's best at in that marketing athletic department. Uh, he hired Chris Beard. Um, he was also a big part of of what goes on on Saturdays for a Texas football game that looks nothing like it did five years ago. Uh, it's an event. It's a three hour before the game, two hour after the game uh, type event. Uh, things like that. Now this, Dan, as you know, in any business. This probably should right above Chris Beard's immediate supervisor to another level. So um, I, I think Chris, uh, Chris Del Conte is fine. I think the barometer of him, more football, uh, that's, that's what drives it. And Sark had a nice second year with eight wins compared to five. But, you know, those were eight wins that could have been 12 wins. So next year is going to be next year is going to be huge. And as you know, the. The AD has hitched his wagon to the most uh, visible and most important sport. So I think they go hand in hand. But I think he's done so much uh, marketing-wise for this university, uh, facility-wise and and experience-wise, that he's in a pretty good place. Roger, back to Beard. Um, Has he made a statement other than maybe the initial statement? If he has, I haven't seen it. I think I look. Has has he said anything since the firing? Uh, No, the attorney. His attorney put out a a statement yesterday saying, obviously, they're devastated. They thought this was heading in the right direction. Uh, The the problem is all that is legally it might be. Uh, But, you you know, university's got to look at more than than just that, and it's written in the contract. You were a coach. I'm sure you had contracts. You can't do anything to embarrass the university, and that's a pretty vague, right. you know, pretty pretty vague wording. It can be interpreted a lot of different ways. Bottom line is they, you could say, okay, he did that, and they're looking for a reason to get rid of him, so it's easy. No, they're looking for a reason to keep him, just the opposite. So for them to make this move uh, kind of tells you where they are with a guy. Uh, they and, and I can't emphasize enough – and I don't know who's going to come in, whether it's Rodney Terry gets the job, they get a high-profile guy, but they're coming into a different situation, and I know everybody thinks, well, our situation is different too. Well, the bottom line is this is a, a tough basketball place. Now the portal and all that makes it a little easier because you can go get three guys and all of a sudden you're a contender. But uh, it, it's a different basketball culture, and you know maybe people didn't realize what Rick Barnes did in his uh, nearly, nearly two decades. Uh, Yeah. You know, Roger Wallace lived with a bunch of maniacs in college. Myself, uh, (laughs) we've gone BBB, Billy Mueller, the great Uwe Blob, was always the voice of reason uh, in that, and he (laughs) provides the voice of reason here. (laughs) I'll tell you, when I worked at Indiana for Calvin Sampson, and he's right there in Houston, the one thing that he, he said, we were playing like Chicago State on a Sunday, right? And you know this. It's 17,000 people on a Sunday noon game against a one-in-a-million Chicago State. He's like, man, I got to tell you, job like – I'll never forget he said this. Job like Texas or Oklahoma, 
He goes, those might be the best jobs in the country because nobody cares until after football is over. You're not going to have to answer for 20,000 people being in a gym against Chicago State. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, man, Calvin Sampson's your guy if it's not Rodney Terry. There he is, Roger. I'm already giving him to you. Well, uh, you know, he's going he, he's gonna to get some sentiment. And, you know, but I, I try to keep my personal feelings. But as, a, as an IU guy <laughs> and, and, and what happened there, I mean, you know, you can – and how he got there, yeah. you can kind of connect the dots. But I hear you. Uh, you, you know, coaching aside, and what he did then is not even a, a blip now, but what he did then was a blip and, you know, still did it. So I get it. Uh, a, a lot of that, Dan, you may know better than me, the, the succession plan uh, at his at Houston with his son. Uh, it, you know, would he be the next ho- head coach? But I, I don't know. I don't know. He's going to the Big 12. You know, they're going to the Big 12. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. right there with, yeah. with, with Kansas and Baylor and, and Texas Tech. Uh, their arena is uh, about the you know same size as UT's, and, and they got that place going. And, and what I always say about places like that, and I think TCU football is a great example, you get a university in a major pro city, and they're the toast of the town when they're good, and they just move on when they're no good. There's no pressure uh, when TCU's no good because Dallas Cowboys – Mavericks, Rangers, Stars, uh, you know, so, and, and it's the same with, with Houston. So he's, he's in a pretty good spot. I mean, he can, he can put a dollar of gas in his car and go get a lot of players, too, and, and that's no, – no, 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 you're absolutely right. I guess uh, that was part of my point to get you to react to that, but it's also that there are some guys that do understand, like you mentioned that Chris Beard understood, hey, look, This ain't Indiana where, you know, students are going to line up around the block just to get season tickets. You know, you got to be able to navigate and understand how important this is to you. may not be important to the fan base until a certain amount of times or until a certain amount of wins, unlike football. Yeah, and I agree. And I also agree that there there is a mystique about the University of Texas. And and let's say Calvin Sampson ends up down the road at NRG Stadium in the Final Four with Houston again. And he might, uh, if Texas comes calling, he may say, you know what, I'm going to give one more place, one more shot. Uh, he's still relatively young in, in our day and age of, of health and fitness. So I, I, I'm not ruling out anything. Dan, we started this conversation with you saying you've seen it all, and my stock answer is nothing surprises me because in 1995, Texas had an imposter football player on their roster for the entire season until two days before the Sugar Bowl. And the story was uncovered, and he left New Orleans in the dark at night. So that set my bar for nothing will surprise <laughs> me in this business. <laughs> Man, I, I wish I had more time. That'd be a, that's a, that's, I had a friend, oh, that, that was, Frankie yeah. Shashelsky. <laughs> so wait, look, walk look, me through Ron this. McKelvey. He, he, he was Google on Ron the McKelvey. Yes. Uh, Seriously? Long story short, he, uh, he was a JUCO player in Northern California, wanted to play in college, good player. A player uh, kind of agreed to give him his identity, got recruited, and there was, you know, no checks and balances. He's 28. He's a special teams guy, came to Texas, and a story out of Salinas, California, two days before the uh, uh, Sugar Bowl uncovered that uh, his name was not, in fact, Ron McKelvey. It was Ron Weaver, and uh, you can Google it. It's uh, pretty bizarre. 
That had to be like your first year there in Austin, wasn't it? Somewhere over there? <laughs> it was. It was. It, I've been there less than a year. So we're we're sitting in a Sugar Bowl <laughs> press conference, and Frank Beamer's up there for Virginia Tech, and somebody goes, "Coach, how about this fake player uh, for the University of Texas?" And I have no idea what he's talking about. And I look over at the Texas Sports Information Director, and and he just kind of rolls his eyes, and I'm going, "Oh boy, this is a real thing." <laughs> and then John Makovic comes up there second, and and. We go down that rabbit hole for the next day and a half. See, I used my experience with Calvin Sampson in 2007 as my, hey, look, nothing's going to surprise me moment. Right. Uh, I'm not, I, you know, I don't know whether everybody's transcripts were legit, but I think they all had legit birth certificates. I, I, looking back, maybe we should check, man. I don't, oh, man. Hey, it, changed uh, last, the way that, it changed the way they checked in athletes when they came to campus. It changed the whole system, uh, you know, because of that incident. It, it used to be, hey, who imagine. are you? Okay, here's your key. Have a good, have a good time. <laughs> last, last thing. How good is Texas's basketball team, and and how has this whole situation? It, it, do you feel it to be the distraction to be over, or is it got to go another week because there's just been the firing? Well, uh, I'll be real interesting to see what happens the next week. Um, they won mostly games they should have won. Uh, again, Rice came in on that night. If they had lost that game, nobody would have been shocked with those, with those players right. and those coaches. I mean, they got a brand-new staff. You had two coaches leave head coaching jobs, Chris Ogden at UT Arlington, to become kind of his chief of staff. And then, obviously, Rodney Terry uh, left the UTEP job, which is you know, a good mid-major job uh, to come be his associate head coach. Uh, and then you had two coaches leave, so you brought in two, Steve McClain, Obviously, as IU ties and a longtime head coach. So, you guys, you know, make decisions to come here. So, I wonder now that there is some closure, I think it could go two ways, Dan. I think that, you know, they could, they could relax and keep playing well, or, or maybe, you know, the reality has set in and kind of a tough place to, to find out tomorrow at Oklahoma State in light of what happened against K State. I'll be interested to see Wednesday they're back home against a really good. Uh, TCU team. I think I think it'll be a special atmosphere because you know through no fault of theirs, these players have been put in this terrible situation, and, and I think people will recognize and students will be back on campus. I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty special regardless of what happens tomorrow. Yeah, and it's against a damn good team too. Jamie Dixon's team's pretty good. Who, oh, by the way, Chris Del Conte hired at TCU, but, you know. I, I, I was going to say that. I was going to throw that out, but I figure, you know, we speculate. Roger, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Best of the family, Dan. All right. You too. You too, Roger. Roger was my roommate. It was Uwe Blob, Big Balls Billy. Uh, Billy Mueller, uh, baseball player. And Roger was the voice of reason, listening to Jimmy Buffett and looking at us all like we were completely out of our freaking minds. Um, let's go. <laughs> what a day. What a day. Hey, we got any woke dope here for the people? Can we give the people what they want? Oh, that's our girl. Isn't that our girl? That's our girl. Now, you got to understand, this is a fake account. Name a favorite childhood memory, and I will tell you why it is rooted in your ignorant white privilege. Okay, I'll give you mine. I don't know if this is my favorite, but I was a little kid. 
was at Gary Westside High School. Now, Gary Westside High School, all African-American, and I was a little white dude. I went in the bathroom. I got surrounded. They started calling me white guy slurs. I didn't know what to do, right? I'm like 12. I'm just there with my dad. Next thing you know, I'm going to get the crap beat out of me in a bathroom at Gary Westside High School. So I did what Jim Rockford would have done in the Rockford Files. I looked as they were kind of put, and I said, screw it. And I found the smallest guy. Now, he was a little bit bigger than me, although I was tall and weighed about 72 pounds. I went, I closed my eyes, I ran, and I just kind of did what we used to do in blocking in football. You went like this, and I just went like that and ran through and sprinted for the door as I heard the fellas in the bathroom laughing, calling me white boy. Now, that's not a favorite childhood memory, but I got to believe that is not rooted in any type of privilege. It doesn't seem to be rooted in any type of privilege, but who knows? Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I do not know, but it certainly didn't feel that way. Privilege? That seemed like that was going to be a double D getting his you-know-what kicked. All right. We didn't really talk about betting this weekend. We really didn't because I'm not going to lie to you. Teams have been screwing me. They've been screwing me left and right. I'm going to go to the Evansville-Illinois State game. It's my son's game. It's at Evansville on Saturday. I am not going to bet the game, but I will tell you this. Illinois State is going to win the game. Now, I don't bet on my son's games. He thinks I do, right? He thinks that I, you know, whatever I caught. No, no, I don't. I have no interest. I want to sit there and just about throw up, hoping that they win. But I will tell you this. I will give you a game tonight, all right? Wright State minus five over Detroit Mercy. Take it. Give the five. Antoine Davis can score, but Wright State's getting better, I think, or at least that's what I heard. Look, I don't know. You don't know. I'll tell you this. I'm going to take the Commanders giving, excuse me, I'm going to take the Cowboys giving seven against the Commanders this weekend. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm going to take the Texans getting, I think they're getting three against the Colts. I don't even care about the Colts anymore. I don't care even a little bit, but I sure the hell ain't taking them. I'm sure the heck not. I am sure the heck not betting on them. And I think there is money to be made betting against them. I do. I think there is. Look, at the end of the day, if you're betting on the Colts, you're a fool. If you lose betting against the Colts, you're just fine. And I got to tell you, I know that the woke coach of the commanders, Ron Rivera, is everybody's hero because he disciplined Jack Del Rio over comments back as we started the season. But let me throw this out at you. He stinks as a coach. He didn't know they were going to get eliminated. He didn't know that Carson Wentz is worse than me as a quarterback, although I've had a good week physically. So maybe I can sling the caca. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, 
There is no way I am going to bet on the commanders at home road. They're starting Sam Howell, who went into last year as the number one quarterback in college, ended the year as an afterthought, but he's getting his first start, which means he'll play well. Guys usually do first time out. But I got to tell you, and I love saying, but I got to tell you, there is no chance, zero, zip, nada, zero, that I would bet on Ron Rivera. I like Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, ladies and gentlemen, was a linebacker, a backup, but a very good linebacker for the Bears, my favorite team in 1985. I'm also going to take Jacksonville minus six and a half over Titans. Now, I'm going to lose that bet. The better bet with Jacksonville is to take the minus two, uh, 265 and parlay it with a couple others. I feel like the Titans are going to play well enough to lose by three. Sick, but I'm not about to take the Titans. Jacksonville's playing great. Let me give you another one. I'm going to take the Vikings, and I'm going to move the number to seven against the Bears for one reason and one reason only. Nathan Peterman is starting for the Bears. Let me say this again. Nathan Peterman is starting for the Bears. That's not Mr. Peterman from Seinfeld fame. That's Nathan Peterman starting for the Bears. I don't know what to tell you. The other game I'm going to take is I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus two against the Browns. I know Deshaun Watson's the greatest football player in the history of the world. I understand. I get it. You guys can tell me. Oh, he's great. In fact, he is great. He's so great that 30 women accusing him of sexual crimes uh, isn't enough to keep him out of the NFL. That shows you how great the guy is. I don't care. I think when you're led by a schmuck, you get schmuck performances late, particularly when character matters and your team is out of the playoffs. The schmuck factor will reign in this. Let me tell you about Mike Tomlin. Tomlin, there ain't no schmuck there. Let me tell you about Kenny Pickett. I think Kenny Pickett's great. In fact, now that I'm hearing myself talk, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers as my lock of the weekend. I'm going to take Pittsburgh Steelers for so much money, I'm not going to have to get another job. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for a mortgage payment, which means if I lose, I will be back door dashing. This is my favorite bet of the weekend. But beware, ladies and gentlemen, be freaking ware. The Pittsburgh Steelers, as or any team, as my lock, it's been horrible. No, no, no horrendous, ridiculous, awful, haven't won one of my lock picks. Now, to you, that means I'm a bad gambler. To me, that means I'm due. That's right. I'm due. Yep. I ain't mad about it. I'm just due about it. My folks on the YouTube chat, I love you. Dan, your picks last week were horrible. They were They were. What do you want me to tell you? They're horrible. You know what that means? We doubled down this week. That means we're due. Because one thing I know about me, when I'm horrible, I don't normally stay horrible. At some point, water finds its level. Jayla, gritty. She says, thanks for another great show. 
and thanks for the award. You earned it, lady. Sorry about your Hoosiers last night. Double D, enjoyed the show. Had a good time. Have a good weekend. And everybody will catch you on Monday. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Tanner Hall, what up? Uh, I got to say thanks. Bill Martin, Iron Man, J-Law Gritty, Jordan Sheldon, Justin uh, Charles, Curtis Manlow, Kiwi's Big Adventure, Mike Cole, Robo Game Threer, Robert Bro, Ryan Mueller, Tanner Hall, and Outkick. Thanks for hanging in there. We're going to see you on Monday. Dylan and Ryan, Davey, Aaron, Haley, thank you all. Keep it right here. Outkick 360 at 3 o'clock Eastern. I'm going to go work out.